Praise God, dear brothers and dear sisters. Um, it is good to be here. It is very much good to be here. I was um, running late because of work, and uh, it's not good to be late. I'll just say that. I, I, uh, I am uh, actively praying about that situation, and today, I, today I'd like to actually talk about prayer. I would like to talk about uh, prayer. Uh, interesting thing is, um, we were going through, who remembers the series in the last couple of weeks? Um, there was probably five or six sermons said on a certain topic, if someone remembers. Armor? Yes, yes. David? Yes, thank you, David. Uh, but at the end of that uh, passage, the armor of God, it says something very interesting, and uh, it talks about prayer. At the end of uh, the whole thing of like, you know, put on the, the shield of faith, put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, weirdly enough, it talks about prayer, and it talks about that you should pray all the time. We're not going to get into really uh, too much detail in that um, in that regard. I want to do an overview of prayer and just talk about a prayer based on this little booklet. It's a book. I, I shouldn't call it a booklet. It's a book. It's just a short book. It's called Power Through Prayer. Now, this is, I, I, I'm like super biased about this book, but this was one of my first Christian books that I read as, as like a, for fun, you know, not because I had to. And this, this was like, it was like, it was, it was food to my soul. During that time, and it is still food to my soul today. It is by a, a person called E. M. Bounds, who was—he uh, lived about 150 years ago. He died in like you know 1910 or 1920, and he was known during his life as a person who like prayed a lot, and he knew things about prayer. He he was able to communicate things about prayer that maybe other people knew but weren't able to communicate as well. Uh, he was a lawyer, and God used him in preaching and in uplifting the church once he was saved. Uh, and he has this very direct, very simple way, this like lawyer way of like bringing information. And he's not going to like beat around the bush. He'll say it as it is. And I, I recommend it, especially brothers. I, I highly recommend it. I'm biased about this book. But I, I bought like I think I had like seven of these books. I bought them, and I was like, these were my, like, gifts. Like, if I, f for, for birthdays and stuff, sometimes I would give. Because it, to me, it was, it was, it was a very eye-opening thing. So, based on his thing, I just, it, it's not really based on his book, but it, there's going to be a lot of quotes from his book. They're really good quotes. And I want us to just pay attention. So, we're going to start by talking about um, sports, Right? Or um, the other example I'm going to bring is career or credits. When we go to, let's say, uh, a soccer club or if we're playing sports in high school or college, uh, it's, th this is like, it's very easy for us to, to say this, but, um, and, and, and I'll just say it though, maybe you know, beating a dead horse, but you can't get good at a sport if you don't practice it, right? Like we'll, we'll agree on that. Like it doesn't matter how like genetically perfect you are, how you're just able to pick up things real quick, you're smart, you're, I don't know, like you're just, you're just, you, it doesn't matter who you are, 
if you think that just because you, um, you know, your, your dad plays sports or your brothers play sports, and so you're just going to walk one day and play some soccer or play some, some volleyball, that's not going to happen. Like, you'll be, you'll be built, but you will be a built person being spiked on bad, like in the face, in the chest. You will be a, a super fast dude, but you'll be a super fast dude getting juked in soccer, okay? Badly juked, like ankles broken, juked in soccer. And so you'll look bad, your team will look bad, and all of that goes to say that there's, there's something called a, a certain time period, uh, uh, like it could be it could be a hundred hours, it could be a thousand hours that are needed in any sport to be good at it. And there's literally research done, like this is how much hours you need, let's switch it over to maybe music for sisters like and brothers, I'm not, everyone does music too, but like you, piano players, you know, there's like literally research on this is how much hours you need to put to be at this level. And it's like every person, it doesn't matter how, yes, there's like these Beethovens or whoever who like who just who they're just above everyone else but they still need practice and they still practice more than anyone else right so in anything sports in in piano playing you there's a concept of putting in a certain time and you understand it it's not that you're like well uh, we're going to talk about that later but that it, it goes to that we when we talk about school it's basically the same thing when you take credits, what, what is credit, like 15 credits, what does that mean? Does anyone know? When, you, when you're taking one credit, what does that mean? That, that means that you're expected to be one hour per week, I believe, in class, right? One hour per week, or five credits is five hours per week in class. And then for homework, you just multiply that by three, right? So it's, it's like five in class, and then like three... Uh, three times one for every hour that you spend in class. So basically, five credit class, five hours in class every week, 15 hours doing homework, 20 hours total. That is what you are expected. Like, that is the system. That's what they're, that's what it's built on. And sometimes people like me, we, 15 hours isn't enough of homework. Like, we need, like, 20 hours or something. And we're like, dude, where are they getting this average from? They're like, yeah, this is the average. It's 15 hours of homework will get you an A. You're like, who, like, what kind of genius kids were doing this study that, you know, made, made the bar so high? But uh, basically, for, when, we, when we talk about life, like, we understand this stuff, right? This isn't, like, I'm not giving you guys news. This is, like, stuff we know. This is stuff we're actively participating in, whether it's school or someone's playing piano. And the reason I, I said all those things is because I did all those things. Like, I played piano. I'm not good at piano, but my parents sent me to piano school for a couple of years, and I was expect like, there was no way around it. There was no way of cheating the system. There was no way of, like, I am going to pretend that I know how to play the songs for my teacher, who's, like, has her, like, PhD or, like, master's from the Soviet Union in piano or whatever. I don't know what they have there, but she's, like, really good. You can't trick them. You have to put the time in. You have to. And if you don't, if you put five hours instead of seven hours, she'll know. She'll be like, you practiced less today. And you'll be like, no, I, I practiced more today. She'll be like, no, you practiced less today. And you'll be like, yeah, I practiced less today. So, so it's like very, very simple stuff. When, it, when we're talking about prayer, and today we are talking about prayer, there, the reason I, I start with this is because there is a concept that I feel like is very important for us to grasp, and it, it is this. 
that it is important to spend a lot of time in prayer. I did this huge intro because I, I, this is my first point. There's going to be eight points. We're going to go through them quickly. I just want to establish this because the rest is kind of based off of this. When I think of prayer, this is, this is where my thoughts go. I, I'm thinking prayer? No, 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 no. Don't tell me I need to put much time into this. It's, it's my relationship with Jesus. It is my business how much time I spend with Jesus. It is my business, you know, what I do, how I talk. Like, it, you don't go into my private prayer closet. It's private for that matter, you know what I mean? Like, I do my own thing. I could spend a minute, and it could be more valuable than, you know, me spending three hours. True. Yeah, very much true. If you sleep for those three hours, and, or you just, you're really thinking about something else, and then you're praying, really praying, and we're going to talk about that for one minute. True, true. But I feel like because we always fall back to that problem that we call of like just putting the time in and not your heart in, right? Like praying a lot, going to prayer services. By the way, our prayer services are usually two hours. And why we think, why I thought this was an important topic is because most of us can't last two hours. That's, that's the truth. You know how difficult it is for me many times to last two hours? Like you, in prayer, to just, to just pray for two hours. We can do so many other things for two hours, but a normal prayer service, and for our parents and our grandparents, that's like a walk, a walk in the park. They can, they can do it. I promise you, they can do it, and they do more than that. For us, as this new generation, we have our pluses. I'm not, I don't want to just bash us. Like, we have our pluses. But this is one thing that I feel like we might have missed. And it's the fact that if you want to be good at anything, anywhere, you need to put your time into it. And then somehow we think that if we want to be close to God, if we want to get good at prayer, if we want to have true, genuine, intimate fellowship with God, we can do that by doing one minute a week. It just, it, the logic doesn't carry over, if you guys get what I'm saying. There's like, you, it's hard to kind of argue that case. So, this is what Ian Bounds says about this. He says, much time, just listen to this, much time spent with God is the secret of all successful praying. Much time spent with God. Prayer which is felt as a mighty force is the immediate or, Im or immediate or immediate product of much time spent with God. So prayer that is like powerful is the immediate product of you beforehand praying much to God. Much. A lot. Mucho, right? Like noga, you know what I mean? Like a lot. Uh, our short prayers owe their point and efficiency to the long ones that have preceded them. So when you hear, you're like, well, this, this person can pray for two minutes and he can get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, well, he's praying for two minutes in public because you don't want to, like, bore people to death or you don't want people to walk out on you. There's actually, like, etiquette in prayer in public of, like, just praying for two minutes, one minute, five minutes, but you don't know what that person is doing in his prayer closet. And I assure you, if this is a person of God, someone who God is using, he is, she is praying in her prayer closet much time. The short prevailing prayer, listen, cannot be prayed by one who has not prevailed with God in a mightier struggle of long continuance. Just listen to that. The short prevailing prayer, that prayer of like, you know, people talk about, well, who was that guy? The prophet. It was a, not, it wasn't even a prophet. It was, 
was it Ezekiel David who prayed that prayer in his thoughts before the king? I, I, it's not in my sermon notes, but there's, there's like a lot of stuff to talk about. Basically, there was a guy who was serving the king, and a lot of people say, well, that's, that's the way to pray. It's just intimate. It's to God. He was standing before the king, and he was fasting, actually, before God and saying, Lord, Jerusalem is all destroyed. I am a captive in Babylon. Yes, I got a good position, but, like, this is just not right. It doesn't feel good. And he's fasting before God, and the king who he's serving, Babylonian, says, Something's wrong with you. He, and he gets freaked out because if the king said that to you, basically he could kill you. You had to be smiling. You had to be, like, happy. You can't, like, be, as people say, throwing your bad vibes, you know, in the presence of the king. And so you're, you're supposed to be, the, you know, top notch. And he isn't doing that. And it says in the Bible, he prayed to God while in the presence of the king. People say, you see, quick prayer that took two seconds and God answered him because yes, God answered him. God blessed him in such a way that the king actually gave him money, uh, offered him soldiers, uh, wrote letters that said the people that are in around Jerusalem have to give uh, trees to the building of the temple. So like, yes, God blessed that. But are we forgetting the fact that this um, man of God was actually fasting in prayer for like days before that, right? Like, so the, the concept still remains. It's not this like prayer. Of course, it's easier to just say a second prayer, uh, a two-minute prayer. Of course, that's easier. That's how our flesh operates. But it's, it's that, uh, as E.M. Bound says, it's that, that short prevailing prayer, it cannot be prayed by one who has not prevailed with God in a mightier struggle of long continuance. Look at these examples from the Bible of people who spend time in prayer. He says, E.M. Bound says, Christ, who uh, is very well our example, spent many whole nights in prayer. Did you get that? Jesus Christ spent many whole nights in prayer. That's pretty hard to imagine. He says his, his custom was to pray much. He had his habitual place to pray. Many long seasons of praying make up his history and character. Paul prayed, and this is what Paul says, day and night. What does that mean? I don't know. You know what that sounds like, though? It sounds like a lot of prayer. And it doesn't sound like just whispering prayers into the wind once in a while. That, that's not what it sounds like. Paul talks about praying with weeping, wailing, uh, just being in anguish for other churches when he felt like there were, uh, heard that there were problems in other churches. He says uh, about Paul, it took time. He took time from very important, or no, I'm talking about Daniel. He took time from very important interest to pray three times a day. Daniel, who was like the vice president almost the vice president of a huge empire, spent a certain amount of time every day, three times of, in, in a day, to pray. Uh, David's morning, noon, and night praying were doubtless on many occasions very protracted. All these places are pointing back to certain places in Scripture. We don't have time to read them in Psalms, in the book of Daniel, uh, when it talks about Jesus in the Gospels, where the Bible very clearly shows us that these men and these women of God, I, I need to add that, were women and men of prayer. And not just short prayer, prayer prayer. Like, let's pray until we get an answer prayer. And so to summarize things, the amount of time we spend in prayer says much about the quality and character of our prayer life and our faith. Ian Bound says, we would not have anything that the value of the prayers is to be measured by the clock. 
So he goes, he goes back to that argument that, yeah, well, you're just forcing people to pray now by looking at a watch, timing them, and that's just going to, you know, knock the wind of prayer right out of them. They're not going to want to pray. They're going to do it as a chore. No, they won't. No, they won't. He says, our purpose is to impress on our minds the necessity of being, and think about it this way, of being not in prayer much, being much alone with God. See, now there, there's our, our language, because we, like, we talk about fellowship, relationship, you know, going on dates with Jesus, and that's good. I'm not against that. Like, you know, talk about that. As long as you're actively participating in fellowship with God, go for it. But now let's, let's take those ideas, and are, you, are we spending a lot of time with God in prayer? Are we having those, those real, genuine dates? Not like, you know, I'm going, on, I'm going to talk with Jesus, and it's like, you know, 10 minutes later, we're back. Like, that's not how we talk with our best friends. That's not how we talk with our fiancés, our, our boyfriends and girls. That's not how we talk with, like, even our parents or people we respect. That's not the way we talk, you know? And, and if we are talking short, we're talking with, with someone we probably don't know, to be honest. So, he says, if this feature has not been produced by our faith, this being much alone with God, if this feature has not been produced by our faith, then our faith is of a feeble and surface type. I didn't say that. Ian Bounds, okay? By this book. But don't, like, I, I, just, I just want us to understand that I'm not trying to, like, bash us or anything. I, I'm speaking to myself first. When I was reading this, I was getting so convicted. And right now, I'm not preaching to you guys. Like, just, the, I'm, this is something that I'm actively trying to, 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 to understand. And God give us grace to live it out, to live it out. Um, getting the harder things out of the way, let's talk about beginning the day with prayer. So we talked about, number one, prayer, true prayer, uh, a believer who's a true believer. It, it requires that we spend much time in it. Like, to be successful in prayer, to really get to know our Savior, to really fall in love with Him, that is the only way. There's no other way around it. There's no shortcuts. There's no... You know, I'm going to do this concept, I'm going to do that Bible reading plan, and it's going to teach me. There's no other way around it. We have to actually practice it. We have to put in our time. Just like in every other thing under the sun, in order to be good at, you have to put in your time. In order to get to know the person, you put in the time. In order to have a true, genuine fellowship with Jesus, you have to put in your time. Point number two, it is important to begin the day, begin the day with prayer. The reason I, I talk about that is because we often, you know, if we finish our days with prayer because we're, like, tired and, you know, we, we want, I don't know, good dreams. And sometimes something happened in the day that we're, like, not too happy about. So we just kind of like, okay, God, this is, you know, just talk with him. But, but in the morning, you know what I mean? If you're getting up at 6 in the morning, at 5, at 4, at 3.30 in the morning, and to, to be able to, to rip more time away from, from your sleep time in order to spend time with God in prayer. Now, that's, that's difficult. <laughs> I'll tell you that. That is difficult. And, uh, but there's something about giving not just, and, and we talk, kind of talk about the best of our time. But there's something about giving the first of our time. So the first of our day in prayer to God that really strikes a good note with God. And we can look at this through many examples in the Bible, people praying early to God. But again, I would like us to turn our attention to things in this, like concepts in this world. 
um, most of us know that if in the first 15 years of someone's life, right, we, let's say we live to be 80 or 90, but if in the first 15 years of our lives, um, not our lives, God forbid, but in, God forbid it happened anywhere, but if a child doesn't learn how to talk, if this teenager doesn't know how to read or write, for some reason, he never went to school and he was raised up like that kid, Tarzan or whoever, with wolves who didn't know how to talk, he is going to struggle the rest of his life. And you're going to be like, dude, dude, you're 15. You're in civilization now. You're not living in the jungle. We're going to give you the alphabet. We're going to take you through the schooling system. It's going to be hell for him. It's going to be so hard to, and this is like, you can apply this to many areas, like developmentally uh, delayed people kind of have the same concept. I know, like, from a healthcare perspective, it's 100% true. Like, there are certain milestones, they call them, that you have to reach during a certain age. And if, if you're not reaching them, you're right away being, like, classified into, like, diagnoses. You're all, right away, like, people are like, something is not right. This kid is not going to progress well. This, he's just, he's not meeting these milestones. He's not able to talk in sentences by the time he's, like, four. He's not able to, to, like, you know, I don't know, do certain things by a certain age. Uh, there are certain things that we are meant to do at a certain time. Even in our life right now, I would say this is more applicable, uh, marriage, career, schooling, these things are things we have to get down right now. So once you get them down right now, you're set. Once, right, like marriage, you know, before 30, career before 30, uh, schooling before 30 preferably. I mean, if you really want to extend it, go for it. And then like, God bless you on that. But these are things that you have to do before a certain time. If you're 50 and you're thinking about restarting your career, good luck. You're just, you're not, you're, you're, you're intellectually, you're not going to be up and running against people who are like super fresh 25 year olds who are at the peak of their like ability to think, critically analyze things. You won't. Your time has passed. There was a certain time in the beginning when you were supposed to make these decisions, when you were supposed to go to school, when you were supposed to uh, get a career, when you were supposed to establish something. After that time passes, it's hard to work. Here's what um, Ian Bounds says. The men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness in other pursuits than seeking God will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. So if you, if you waste away, Ian Bounds says, if you waste away this early morning time, its opportunity, its freshness, um, and you are seeking other things during that time, the rest of that day, you'll make poor headway, meaning you'll make bad progress. Especially as believers, we trust in God. Our, our hope is in God. If God is not first in our thoughts and efforts in the morning, listen to this, he will be in the last place the remainder of the day. So if God is not in our thoughts first thing in the morning, he will, not, he will be in the last place the remainder of the day. There's a certain time to get things done. There's a time for actually everything under the sun. There's a time to get married. There's a time to go to school. There's a time to get an education. There's a time. There's a time when you're growing up to learn how to talk, to be potty trained, I'm sorry, to do certain things. There's a time. There's a time to spend 
in prayer with God. And yes, that time is all the day. I agree. You're praying to God. You're asking God for help, for wisdom. But how important it is to begin the day properly. Satan is at work early. This is not Ian Bounds. I'm just reading my notes. Satan is at work early. The world begins its hustle early, right? Especially in America. You're driving and you're like, whoo, I woke up early in the morning. There's going to be no traffic. In fact, there shouldn't be a single car in the streets because it's 4.30 a.m. in the morning. And I don't know if it's night shift coming back home or what shift is driving where, but there's cars on the road. And you're like, people, where are you going, right? Because they're hustling. They're making money and they'll, they'll be successful. They're doing their thing in the morning. They know that it's correct to start early. You'll get ahead of someone else who's sleeping in until 9.30 because you've already had five hours on them. But for some reason, when it comes to prayer, it's, it's a lot more difficult. Maybe the results of our prayers are, aren't visible so quickly, and that's why it's maybe hard to um, get some gratification and continue forward. But we'll talk about that later. Here's what Ian Bounds says. A desire for God which cannot break the chains of sleep, please listen to this, is a weak thing and will do but little good for God after it has indulged itself fully. You hear that? A desire for God. You're like, oh God, I love you. Jesus, I love you, right? And we do love Jesus. There's, I, I know we love Jesus. But a desire for God which cannot break the chains of sleep and I, I know what he's talking about here, I promise you, because I am a very deep sleeper. And it is difficult. Like, when I say difficult, like capitalized every single letter for me to get up in the morning. Difficult. So, th- these are chains of sleep, but if that is our desire for God, it's a weak thing and will do but little good for God after it has indulged itself fully. The desire for God that keeps so far behind the devil and the world, listen to this, the desire for God that keeps so far behind the devil and the world, at the beginning of the day, will never catch up. Basically, he says, if our desire for God, if our desire to spend fellowship with God is so great, yet it is weaker than, you know, people making $20 an hour, working for some corporation, waking up at 4 or, or 3.30 in the morning, if their desire to make 20 bucks, if our, my desire to make $15 an hour is more, and I'm willing to wake up for that, but not for this, he goes, man, something, something is up with this desire. Something is up with this desire, the desire to purr. Because if you just compare it, this desire to that desire... Work, I'm willing to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Prayer, I'm not. Something doesn't match up. And he says, and the devil. Well, the devil, devil actually never sleeps. So we, you know, that's, that's, I think that's where the night prayers come in. He says, our laziness after God is our crying sin. Our laziness after God is a crying sin. I literally feel like he was writing to our generation at this time. Like, because that is, that is who I am. I, I am convicted every single day of how incredibly lazy, and it is, it is maybe the culture that's impacting me, I don't know, but I am, for some reason, I think it's okay not to hustle. Like, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to having a relationship with God, cultivating, working on a relationship with God, for some reason, I right away think that is orthodoxy, that is just, you know, legalism, that is, that is wrong, like, God doesn't like that. No, 
we, we read about that in the Bible. Like, how else, else are we supposed to, to do these things, right? If we're busy for the next 14 hours working, let's wake up earlier in the morning. Let's spend time with God then. He says, the children of this world are far wiser than we. Are you guys following with me? The children of this world are far, far wiser than we. They are at it early and late, hustling, making money. We do not see God with ardor or diligence. No man gets God who does not follow hard after him. No man gets God unless you follow hard after him. And by man, I'm sure he means woman. And no soul follows hard after God who is not after him early in the morn. Morn is morning in, in like old school terms. But did you guys get that? Are you guys following with me? Is anyone... is? Like, because I, I am seeing, like, some, some, some expressions are a little bit questionable. And I understand, like, this, this topic is, like, it's weird. Like, it's weird to talk about praying in such um, systematic, in such legalistic terms. And I'm sorry. I promise you I'm sorry. At the same time, I'm not. I'm not because I feel like this is something that we are lacking, but not something that we have lost. This is not something that we have lost. I remember our missionary trip, and um, man, it was so incredible to see. So, you know, Ilya's there, uh, I'm there, and so we're like, we have like our morning routine. Everyone's waking up at 7 in the morning for service, just baseline. So I think maybe it was 8, correct me if I'm wrong. But there were people, certain people, you'd wake up to, to like get coffee you come down, you're just like, you're sure no one's awake. And there are people who are sitting there, it's still kind of like darkish, in this like basement, huge kitchen that they have under their church, doing a Bible study with their friend. They, they, they didn't sit through the night. They woke up early in the morning. It's, it's, for me, it's actually easier to sit through the night than wake up in the morning, go to sleep and wake up in the morning. And I would walk in and I would be like, I'd be like, it's a one-time deal. I know they're not going to keep this up. Way too early for them. There's no way they can sustain this for the next, like, 20 days or something. They sustained it for the next 20 days. And you know what I realized? You know what I realized? I, I had to ask for forgiveness because I was like, I had to ask for forgiveness because I had to acknowledge the fact that this wasn't something that was new to them. This getting up in the morning, this spending time with God. And Ilya and I were talking, and we were uh, amazed to see that the most successful, the most fruitful, the things that happened that everyone was like, did you hear that? Like, this person literally got saved, like, at 12 o'clock at night. Like, someone drove to their house. There's, these are not my testimonies to tell. Maybe these sisters will share these testimonies at one time. But, like, legit things would happen, and I would be like, how was I not there? Like, this is the coolest thing that happened in our missionary service. And it happened, guess what? Guess what? Guess who it happened to? It wasn't, it wasn't random chance. It wasn't like, God's like, well, I'm going to use you today. No, no, that's not how God works. God was using the people that were willing to be used, that were early up in the morning in the word of God, studying, praying. And those are the people that God was like, yep, you're the person I'm going to use to, to save that grandpa, and he's going to die very soon after. Those are the things that you, you, you can't look at that and not connect the dots. You can't look at that and say, well, God, 
God's showing favoritism or God. No, no, God's not. There's a certain concept here, and the concept is this, that no man gets God who does not follow hard after him, and no soul follows hard after God who is not after him in the early morning. Number three, how on earth do I get this desire to pray then? All right, that's like, that's, that, that was my number one question. I was like, I just don't have the desire to pray. It's not that I'm not, like, I'm cool with waking up in the morning if, I, if it was something that was like stimulating me to, to wake up in the morning. But how do I wake up in the morning if I don't want to even do the thing that I'm waking up for? And this is going to sound a little bit interesting, but in my life at least, it was... In, in terms of prayer, the desire came when I prayed. So you're like, okay, so to get the desire to pray, you have to pray exactly. And I will acknowledge the fact that those first, I don't know how long it's, it'll, it takes for, for that to develop in different individuals. I'm sure it's different, but for me, I think it was a couple of months were some of the hardest times to pray in my life, period. It was like breaking through something. I didn't know what I was breaking through. I still don't know what it was. But it was so difficult. It felt so pointless, useless, and it felt like it was, the prayer was hovering like right, right here. Like it was just like a mist that wasn't really coming up to God. It was just right like here. And all the prayers were just kind of, Bubbling up here and just kind of staying, not reaching heaven. Not God, God wasn't hearing me. At least that's what it felt. It felt pointless. It felt weird. It felt awkward to be by yourself in the room and actively talking to someone you can't see, to Jesus. But, but, practice makes perfect. <laughs> and it's not that just practice makes perfect. That's not what I'm after. That like, oh, you'll just, you'll just get over the weirdness. That's not what happens. You don't get over the weirdness. This Uh, practice of praying, even when it's difficult to pray, even when it's like, what am I doing right now? This practice, it creates in us, weirdly, a desire to pray more. How? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So, our problem, my problem was, I couldn't see the goodness, the sweetness in prayer. I just couldn't see it. I heard about it. I heard about it. Heard people talking about, yeah, like, you know, spending the night in prayer with God, like people sharing testimonies, older people. And I was like, you did what? You spent the night in what? You spent the night talking, actively talking into the air to God. And, you know, that, that was like, and they did that. So I, I understood that, like, and they talked about how sweet and how they were crying. And in my, my, my intellect, I was like, there's something sweet. There's something that I'm missing there that they have, I don't have. But every time I would get down on my knees or you know, stand or walk or whatever to try to pray, that sweetness was never there. But piece of sweetness after piece of sweetness, God reveals himself to us. God is not a God of, like, you know, let's play hide and seek, and this is going to be the hardest game on earth. Like, you're never going to find me. Because he could have done that. He could have very easily done that. But he didn't do that. He is a gracious and loving God who desires a, a genuine fellowship with you, who desires good, intimate relationship with you. Why? He wants to share your future with you. He wants to tell you what his plans for your life is, and those are the best plans you could ever imagine. 
he wants you to be encouraged in him. Yeah, he wants you to, to let go of the anxiety, to let go of the stress. He wants you to experience his love. And these are all things that we are lacking in this hustle society today. We are lacking those things. And take this, this loving God desires all these things for us, and they're found for us in prayer. But it's not like we come to God because it's not like I snap my finger. I come to prayer. I snap my finger. Sweetness comes over me. I'm like, I got it, and it's over. That's not how it works. It's a relationship. There's waiting in it. And in waiting, there's sweetness. There's sweetness when you're waiting for something or someone, and there's a positive response. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But at some time. When you're asking something, when you have a question and there's an answer, even if it's like, no, the answer is no to your please, God. But when you hear the no, I promise you, it is better than a thousand yeses from someone else. It is better than a thousand, oh, go do it, sweetie. From a, when you hear God's loving but stern no in prayer, oh, you're like, that was worth all of it. That was worth Every single second of it. You didn't even get, you were praying against that thing. But this, this fellowship with God, this communion with God is, in fact, the sweetest thing that is available to people here on earth. It is having that communion that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before mankind sinned. Imagine God every single day would come down and just talk with them. In the cool of the day, when everything was just nice and calm, God would just talk with them. God would just have fellowship with them. They would, I don't know what they would talk, what they would say to God and what God would say to them. But it says that he would come down in the cool of the day and they would have fellowship together. That is the sweetest thing available to pe people here on earth. It is a taste of heaven, and it is available to those who desire to attain it, they, for those who desire to know God. Ian Bounds says it this way. It is not simply the getting up, okay? It is not simply the getting up, the waking up in the morning, that puts men to the front and makes them captain generals in God's host. So this guy's actually going way ahead and saying, he's talking about like the blessings, like to be powerfully used by God, to be a captain's uh, general host. He talks about men of God like that. Here's a faith. But it is the ardent desire which stirs and breaks all self-indulgent chains. So Ian e. Bounds says, you know how, uh, he, he, he goes, you know what is the most important thing? It's not even you getting up in the morning. It's you having the desire to get up in the morning and failing a hundred times. But finally, by the grace of God, after praying and begging for mercy, being able to do that in the end, it is that desire that is most important. Uh, that desire, uh, the getting up, he says, listen to this, the getting up, the waking up, the forcing yourself, the praying, gives vent, increase, and strength to the desire. If they had laid in bed and indulged themselves, that desire, the little desire that you are experiencing, I am experiencing right now, would have been clenched. You guys get that? So God is giving us, he's, it's not, no one is starting with zero. No one is starting with zero desire right now. All of us have a desire to have that communion with God. Our souls need that. That is what we were created for. But, but, us laying in bed actually quenches whatever desire God is placing into our hearts. And if the only way to actually 
to actually grow in that desire, to have that desire get maybe big enough to wake up even in the morning before work in school is to get up in the morning before work in school. And in this way, you're feeding the flame. You're, you're, you're showing to God that, God, yes, I'm going to fail. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snooze my alarm clock 10 times, and I'm still going to sleep. But I still have that desire, and I'm going to pray and ask for help and strength, and maybe on the 10th time, and like I said, maybe on the 100th time. But God seeing our desire, God seeing the things we are doing in secret, the prayers we are screaming maybe to God in secret, he rewards us in the open. And that's when even your, even your bed can't hold you down. Even the chains of sleep can hold you down. When that desire grows and blossoms into the beautiful flower that God wants it to be, there's, there's really nothing holding it back then. So you need to fuel the desire. And the point is, you already have a piece of desire. I already have a piece of desire. Our goal is to flame it by the power of Jesus Christ. Is that kind of clear or not really clear? Not really, uh, kind of clear, yeah. Um, so last point about just, uh, just about prayer in general, and then we'll finish quickly with um, kind of the benefits of prayer almost. Uh, two extremes of prayer. There's like the not praying extreme, like the two ways that people go wrongly about prayer. Number one is just not praying. And number two is, I would say, praying uh, too much. I don't know if I could say that, but listen to this. We are not simply commanded to become monks, right? Go out into the forest and just pray for the next 50 years of our life. Although sometimes that doesn't sound like a really bad idea, right? You just forget about everything out with all the money and, 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 and all the other issues. And you just, you just in the forest like a monk. That's not what God commands us. That's, I would say, almost the easier way out of this life. That's the easier way out. You might be like, wait, fasting and praying and living in, like, these horrible conditions for the next 50 years of my life is the easier way? Yeah, yeah. Because you're not actually fulfilling the purpose of prayer. This is what Ian Bound says. Our being with God, or our praying, is of use only, only as we expend or share its priceless benefits on men. Is anyone still following? The whole reason we are praying is to be able to, as, as the scripture says, help build up this glorious church of Jesus Christ, to help a, a brother out, to help a sister out, to be able to be filled with a love and patience that could maybe save someone or show someone a good example. And if we are praying, and that, that I, I do, I do, I can tell that that, that can be a, an issue. Praying and, and thinking that everything else is less spiritual. That's not true. We pray because uh, we are called to serve, to love people. And the only way to love some people is sometimes only found through prayer. That's like, that's like a semi-joke, but I can't even make that a joke. Because really, there's some situation, there's some instances in life you know where, wherever we where we need there's there's only one way out and it's prayer there's only one answer and it's prayer uh so number five prayer brings clarity and understanding so the first four points that i talked about were like 
descriptive. What is prayer? Like, so we talked about spending time in prayer, how it's important to spend time with prayer, number one. Number two, that it's important to begin your day with prayer. Number three, um, that it's important to be able to have the desire to pray, not just to be waking up in the morning to prayer. And that we shouldn't be falling into extremes of prayer, either just being discouraged and stopping to pray or just becoming monks in some ways and just thinking, I'm going to pray, I'm super holy, I'm not going to, you know, make myself dirty in the world, and that way God's going to bless me. That's not what we're called to. But now four things about the, the, the things that prayer brings. So prayer brings clarity and understanding. Uh, the reason I want to mention this is because in the, the time we live in now, education is very important. Would you guys not agree, right? Like, that's like the number one thing. Like, we, we talk about or, or getting certified, getting certain, passing certain tests, being licensed to do certain things. That is everything. Like, if you're not licensed to, I don't know, lay wires in a house for electricity, you can't do it. And if you get caught doing it, I don't know what happens, but I'm sure it's not pretty. So there's certain licenses. There's certain... Um, things that we, uh, that we have to get. And so we respect education. We respect intellectual things. Well, here's what prayer does. Um, prayer, Ian Bound says, gives sense, brings wisdom, broadens, and strengthens the mind. Thought is not only brightened and clarified in prayer. And let me tell you that that is so powerful. Thought your vision for life is brightened and clarified in prayer. When things are murky, when you don't know what to do, pray. And you will see an answer. There's no doubt about it. So thought is not only brightened and clarified in prayer, but thought is born in prayer. There are some things, and I'm sure, brothers and sisters, you'll agree with me. There are some things that God gave you in prayer, gave him only to you. And you might never share them with anyone, or maybe you share them with someone close, or maybe you share them with anyone. But those were things that could only have happened in prayer. They could have only come through prayer. This was encouragement. This was a word of a vision for your life. And you are living out that vision right now, or you will be, and it will be the most blessed thing you do. But these things, these, there, there, there are some things that will happen only in the prayer closet. We can learn more in an hour of praying, Ian Bound says, when praying indeed, right, than from many hours in the study. Books are in the closet which can be found and read nowhere else. Do you guys get that? There are books in the prayer closet that are found nowhere else. Certain knowledge, certain understanding that you will get nowhere else. It doesn't matter what education you have. It doesn't matter what licenses you have. It doesn't matter what vision you have for your life. But there are certain truths about your life, certain visions for your life that you can get nowhere else but in prayer. Revelations are made in the closet, which are made nowhere else. Ian Bounds finishes. So prayer brings clarity and understanding. Another thing, and I, I, I put asterisks by this. I didn't want to talk about it, but I, I will talk about it. Prayer brings anointing. Prayer brings anointing. Um, and we sometimes, as a generation, feel kind of awkward talking about anointing. Like, what is anointing? What is unction? Well, Ian Bounds says, Earnestness is good, impressive. Genius is gifted and great. So he says to be zealous, to be smart. Thought kindles and inspires, to be really like wise. Those are all good things. He says, but it takes a divine empowerment, a more powerful energy than earnestness, right? Than zeal, than genius, or thought to break the chains of sin. 
to win estranged and depraved hearts to God, to repair the breaches and restore the church to her old ways of purity and power. Nothing but a holy unction can do this. Nothing but a holy anointing can do this. So Ian Bound says, uh, uh, claims that there are certain things, and the Bible proves this. There are certain things that can be done nowhere and can be found nowhere else but in prayer. And there are, there are sins. There are certain breaches. He talks about problems, issues that cannot be fixed by any kind of book, by any kind of, of idea, but by prayer. We have a pastor here, and he shared this testimony. It was shared by other pastors, and I'm sure he would love if I would share it with you. And um, uh, he, he basically says that when he was growing up, um, he, he loved school, and he actually became um, a very influential engineer of his time in the place where he lived. Like, he was the head of a department of some university. Like, that's a big deal, right? Even here, to be a dean of, like, a, of, of an engineering school or something. And um, when he was a Christian, he was doing evangelism, but he was looking at pastors, and their kids weren't growing up right, and he said, you know what, I'm going to bring all my education together. I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to import books from other countries. And I'm going to raise my kids in a way that they're not going to walk away from God. Like, I'm going to use good literature. This wasn't like communistic propaganda. This was like the best of like how to raise your children, how to discipline them, how to like, how to take them out on walks, how to not spoil them, all these things. He's like, I'm going to do this. And he did it. And he did it. And it didn't go well. And every one of these children... Um, if I'm not mistaken, except a few, had to go through a certain time of falling out from God. All these books, all this knowledge that this pastor had, uh, this engineer had, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't bring him to any good. And there was a time where he had to acknowledge the fact that there are certain things that are done only through prayer. There are certain victories that can be won only through prayer, not through the intellect, not through books, not through knowledge. Uh, there is something in prayer that is nowhere else. And he started praying until every one, every last one of his children, they came back to God. And they are now healthily growing in God. But prayer, prayer, it brings a certain anointing, a certain power that only it can bring. This anointing, Ian Bound says, is heaven's knighthood given to the chosen and true and brave ones who have sought this anointed honor through many an hour of tearful wrestling in prayer. There are certain things, and this anointing is one of them, that only comes through prayer. All the more reasons why we should take note of this, of this prayer thing. Number seven, prayer changes our perspective of God. People who are closest to God by means of prayer were the ones who expressed a special fear and awe of him. Perhaps this is why we seem to experience less of this holy fear around us maybe today. Um, maybe because we don't pray as much. Take Moses, for example. Hebrews 12, 21, Moses says, I am full of fear and trembling as he's standing before God. Moses, who speaks to God face to face, fearful and trembling before God. God Moses, are we talking about the same God here, this loving and gracious God? We are. No, no, no. The problem isn't with God. God is the same. The issue is that Moses 
has a deeper perspective, not a skewed perspective, not a Old Testament perspective, a deeper perspective than God. Read Moses' songs. Oh, he talks about God, uh, and he, he expresses his, uh, you know, how loving and gracious he is. Like, Moses isn't all about, like, you know, just that, that wasn't the only statement he made about God. But there are certain qualities, certain understandings about God that can only come to us through prayer. Uh, in Revelation, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus Christ, man, and we've heard this so many times, at least I have. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me saying, don't be afraid. This apostle, his friend of Jesus, falls before Jesus and is afraid of Jesus. There's, there's a certain perspective. Now, by the way, John is having the revelation, like this vision that is Going, he's going to write in the book of Revelation, one of the books of the Bible. So he's definitely close to God, and he definitely doesn't have a skewed or even an Old Testament perspective of God when he says, I'm fearing God. Now, fearing, fearing, fear of God is just one aspect that we are lacking and that I just wanted to stress. There are many things that as we spend time with God, we begin to understand God not as how our culture wants us to understand God because our culture does have a narrative. Like, this is what you should think God is. He's big, he's got a beard, he's white, he's in heaven, and he just, he's just chillaxing, right? He's just chilling in heaven. That's, that is our culture. Literally, look at the movies, look at the comics, look at the things that people, you know, write about God. That is their understanding of God, but there's a biblical perspective that only comes by prayer. Listen to this. William Penn writes about George Fox, who is the founder of the Quaker movement. Quakers are, by the way, still around. Some of the best cereal in town. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you, guys, you guys are not tracking. I'm sorry. They're, they're, the Quaker is, is a cereal, but before it was a cereal, it was a Christian movement. Powerful missionaries, just the closest to Pentecostal of that time. And he was the founder of that movement. Um, this guy writes about him, says, the most awful livering, living, reverend frame I ever felt or beheld, I must say, was his, George Fox's, prayer. And truly, it was a testimony. He knew and lived nearer to the Lord than other men. Like people saw that, even other Christians. For they that know him most, God most, will see most reason to approach him with reverence and fear. Again, I'm just stressing on the fear that George Fox, not just Old Testament people, they had this perspective of God that we sometimes go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that's legalism. No, no, not legalism. There's a, there's a depth in prayer that we are missing, and it only comes through prayer. It's not going to come through our intellect because our intellect isn't going to grasp that. It comes through prayer. And number eight, prayer is just important. Philippians 4, 6 says, NESB, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Here's what the NLT says. Don't worry about anything. Same verse. Instead, pray about everything. Really? About everything? Yeah, that's how important prayer is. About everything. I want to finish with this. Prayer, Ian Bowne says, is no petty duty put in a corner. No a piecemeal performance made out of the fragments of time which we have snatched from business and other engagements of life. He says that's not how, how our prayer duty should look like. Uh, but it means that the best of our time, the heart of our time, 
the strength, I add, of our time must be given to it. That is how important prayer is. Prayer, he says, is our most serious work of our most serious years. Prayer is the most serious work of our most serious years. And friends, I understand that right now it feels like, like if I could only pull out a 3.9 GPA in my college, I would be happy. And I'm going to have to put in so much time into that. I, I'm not going to be able to like put up with this new prayer thing. Sometimes, you know, maybe someone's thinking I'm starting a business. There's no possible way that I'm going to be working 70 hours a week and doing the prayer thing. And there's so many other things, right? Marriage, children, trust me, does not get any easier. It does not get any easier with time at least. What I would like to propose is that this time right now that we have is our most precious time. We're young. Uh, by God's grace, we have health. And we do, as weird as it seems, we do have more time than we will in the future. Now is the time to establish a baseline. Now is the time to throw a, the plumb line correctly. Like you're building this building of your life, but to check it out by the plumb line of prayer. Is everything checking out? Am I, am I, am I basing everything off of prayer? Am I, am I really trusting the word of God? And I feel like if that's the way that we lead our lives, and I hope and believe that we will lead our lives this way, your business will succeed. Maybe not the first one. But, right, like, isn't there like, like, like a three or four to one loss ratio? But you will succeed in the end, more than you could have ever imagined. Yeah, you will be successful in college. Ask someone who is you know, with the Lord in ministry and also went through college. And they will testify, maybe if they don't want to testify up on stage, that you will be successful. Ask someone who's successful in their career but also close to God. And yes, sometimes it feels like you can't give up one for the other. It's like it's either this prayer thing or it's my career. No, no, no. It's prayer number one. And everything else, everything else, let it fall. Let it fall into its place. Let it be perfectly fit together by God. And simply be amazed. Enjoy your life as you spend time in fellowship with God, as you spend time in fellowship with believers. Let's stand and let's pray.